0: Hello everyone, good afternoon, and welcome to an episode of Everyday Black History. Happy Monday to you all. Ah, man, I can't believe we are blowing through the month of April. Can you believe that the first quarter of 2021 is already passed? And before you know it, you know, official summer would be here. Man, so you really have to enjoy every day for what it is because time is flying and it's not waiting for any of us. But happy Monday to you all. I hope you had a great weekend and I hope you had a great start to your week today. Hopefully it wasn't too stressful at work. You know, hopefully it was a productive day. And if you're home right now from work and hopefully you're able to relax and enjoy the, the Monday. But here today on Everyday Black History, we are... Here, yeah, talking about what we love to do, but talk about most, and that's Black History. So today, today we're gonna cover uh, George Washington Carver. And now, to be honest, for a long time, I actually kind of avoided talking about certain um, uh, uh, people just because uh, they're so their history is so well known in Black history. Like in school, you know, I remember it was an episode of Blackish where they talked about the Mount Rushmore of black history, where they always talk about uh, in school, Harriet Tubman, George Washington Carver, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, you know. And so I don't want to say that I avoided it, but I just I wanted to talk about people, men and women who are more obscure, who. You know, many of us don't know what their accomplishments are, whether they're from the past or even now in the present. But, I've, I, you know, it's not really, you know, right to think that way because whether they're well known in black history or not, it's still a part of our history. It still uh, shows uh, black excellence. And George Washington Carver is an example of black excellence. So, you know, I figured today, you know, I'll do an episode on George Washington Carver, um, you know, uh, to talk about his his accomplishments and, and his excellence in the field of science, you know, and, and even going over the research for him, I discovered that I didn't know as much about him as I thought I did. I mean, we all know uh, uh, his involvement and his, his association with the peanut, but, you know, he, he was also... Uh, a professor at uh, Tuskegee uh, uh, Institute He uh, also did uh, scientific research Using not only the, p- the peanut But sweet potatoes and other uh, uh, vegetable. So there were a lot of things about him That I didn't really know um, That I thought I did I, Like everybody else I associated him with the peanut And with peanut butter And different things that um, can be used uh, As far as making food with the peanut But his science Went so much deeper than that. I mean, he got involved in the science of uh, studying peanuts and sweet potatoes because he wanted to um, figure out a way to refertilize the land that had been beat up from uh, from cotton, from uh, from the, the the planting of cotton. But we'll get into all that. But you know, today we're gonna cover George Washington Carver on every day Black History. Now he was born sometime in eighteen sixty four. There is no exact date as to when he was born, but but it's, it's known that he was born before the end of uh, uh, before slavery was abolished after the Civil War. So he was born in slavery in uh, Missouri, and uh, he his parents were uh, purchased by a man named Moses Carver, and he was a German uh, American immigrant. So even a German American immigrant. Uh, comes here during this time in the 1800s and he's purchasing slaves and he brought his parents for $700 in 1855 before um, George George was born now um, he when he was just a week old him his sister and his mother were kidnapped by some night raiders from Arkansas and uh, Moses Carver actually paid a man who was like a A bounty hunter uh, to find them and unfortunately he was only able to find George there's no mention as to what happened to his brother um, uh, to to his mother and his sister excuse me who were kidnapped you know I mean during these times I I hate to even imagine um, what might have happened uh, to them and why and, and the fact that the reason why they weren't were never found but uh, the man who he hired, John Bentley, found uh, George, who was, a, as we said, a week old, and uh, brought him back to Moses Carver. And Moses Carver uh, raised him and, uh, and his older brother as their own children. And they encouraged them to pursue intellectual pursuits um, and taught them the basics of reading and writing. Now, at this time, black people were not allowed to go to public schools um in, uh, in that area, in Missouri, which was called Diamond Grove. And uh, so George decided to go 10 miles out the way to a school that black children can, can go to. But when he reached the town, he found that the school was closed and he so he slept in a nearby barn. And in one of his biographies, uh, he said that the next morning he met a kind woman by the name of Mariah Watkins um from whom he wanted to rent a room so that he wouldn't have to sleep in a barn and so when she asked him what his name was he identified himself as carvers george so he you know this is the man who owned his parents his name was moses carver so he referred to himself as carvers george like i'm carvers george so uh, she replied to him that from now on his name would be george carver so we don't even know what his real you know name was we don't even know what his parents named him when he was born so that's why George Washington Carver as we know is just a slave name like many of us um in this country have you know but he says that Mariah Watkins was kind to him and she told him that he you must learn all you can then go back out into the world and give your learning back to the people and he said that that made a great impression on him so at the age of 13, he uh, uh, moved to a, a home with another foster family in Kansas, but he left after he witnessed the killing of a black man by a group of uh, whites. So he left the city and he attended a series of school before he earned his diploma in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Kansas. Now, these he, there's a lot of biographies written on George Washington uh, Carver, and, you know, a lot of them are written by um white writers so uh it seems there's a lot of research that i went over and that's not to say that he didn't meet kind people but it just seems like a lot of the biographers go out of their way to uh make the white people that he interacted with during this time as as overly kind and like i said of course there were white abolitionists who fought for the ending of slavery and equality for um uh, enslaved black men and women so i'm not going to say that he didn't but You know you always kind of like gotta read it with a side eye when when everybody who's white who he came across was overly nice like his like his uh slave master Moses Carver or this woman Mariah Watkins um you know they're they're written to be overly nice and friendly to this young black kid you know but like I said you know I, I I don't know what do I know I'm just maybe it's just the cynic in me just from knowing how racism works and how things have gone in this country for so so long but um you know needless to say uh by his biographies accounts he had good interactions with these individuals now after he received his high school diploma he applied to several colleges he was accepted at Highland University in Highland Kansas but uh, when he arrived to began going to school. They refused to let him attend because of the fact that he was black. They probably saw the name and assumed that he was white, especially since they saw George Washington. So they assumed that he was named after the first president of the United States. Then they see him and it's his, his black kid come walking in, you know, so they didn't let him attend. But he traveled by wagon in 1886 um, from Highland to Uh, Ness County Kansas where he homesteaded a claim it was a uh, a bunch of land that he homesteaded and he maintained plants flowers um, there he manually plowed 17 acres planting rice corn uh, garden produce as well as fruit trees forest trees and shrubbery and he earned money by doing odd jobs and even working as a ranch hand during this time Um, He still, you know, wanted to get his education. So, you know, after a couple of years of doing that, uh, of of homesteading and and plowing the land, he in 1888, he took a $300 loan um, from a bank of Ness City for education. And um, by 1890, he started studying art and piano at Simpson College in uh, Iowa. And, uh, you know, a lot of teachers noticed his talent, so they encouraged him to get into botany. And so one of the teachers, a, a woman by the name of Etta Budd, encouraged him to go study botany at Iowa State Agricultural College. So he began there in 1891. He was the first black student there, obviously, right? Because During this time, that was the norm. His bachelor's thesis for a degree in, in agriculture was Plants as Modified by Man, which was dated in 1894. And um, he was convinced by several of his professors to continue there for his master's degree, in which he did. And um, he worked under the the guidance of those professors and um, experimented in plant pathology and and, uh, mycology which gained him his first exposure and national recognition and respect as a botanist. And he even received his master's of science degree in 1896 from Iowa state. And uh, he was the first black faculty member there at the college as well. Um, He was, it was said that he was occasionally addressed as doctor, even though he never had his doctorate officially, he was addressed as doctor. And that was more like a term of respect because he was, he was so, um, Um, knowledgeable in his field of study, that uh, people respected him as a doctor, but he actually did receive his honorary doctorates from um, a a few colleges uh, throughout his lifetime, um, even one posthumously as well. So after that, he went to Tuskegee Institute, and uh, the president of Tuskegee Institute, uh, Booker T. Washington, um, uh, did a lot to get to get uh george washington carver there as a as a faculty member now his time at tuskegee was uh was a little rocky it was a little rocky um but despite that he taught there for 47 years and he developed the department he he uh, headed the agriculture department and he developed it into a strong research center and uh he worked with um Two other college presidents outside of Booker T. Washington during his tenure at the Tuskegee Institute, or now Tus- Tuskegee University. Hey, he taught methods of crop rotation and induced several alternative cash crops for farmers that would also improve the soil of areas that were heavily cultivated by cotton. And he uh, led in, in many different research uh, projects um, dealing with crop products and, and, um, and planting. And He taught generations of black students farming techniques for self-sufficiency. But as mentioned, you know, he... Um, It was a uh, rocky time, you know, sometimes during that journey, especially when when Booker T. Washington was there, they would kind of clash on a lot of things. To recruit um, um, Carver to the school, uh, uh, Booker T. Washington gave him an above average salary. He gave him two rooms for his personal use. And uh, these were concessions that were presented by other faculty members. Um, He earned his master's. Um, in a scientific field from a white institution so some people perceive them as being arrogant Um, and he wasn't married and so usually unmarried faculty members had to share rooms with two to a room and he had you know multiple rooms for his personal use so you know because of things like that he he was resented early on by a lot of faculty members and it was said that he was great when it came to the research, to the science of botany and, and crops and planting, but he was bad when it came to being an administrator in the, uh, in the agricultural department. Him and uh, Booker T. Washington uh, butt heads a lot on a lot of different things. And it was said that George Washington, um, uh, that Carver uh, threatened to resign uh, several times uh, if anything didn't go his his way, he would threaten to resign And, um, you know, that was kind of the relationship that, you know, happened when, when he, when Carver and Washington were working together uh, And Washington kind of micromanaged him because of the fact that there were other people who said likewise that he was a bad administrator It's kind of funny when you think about it because, you know we can't do everything right sometimes you're great at being an administrator but you don't know the science or sometimes you're great at the science but you know administrating and running a department may not be your strong suit so that was the case with uh with carver but um when uh when when booker t washington uh, uh left and other presidents came on to uh, tuskegee university there was a lot less micromanaging uh or <laughs> for for carver for they kind of let him you know do what he wanted and um you know he you know did a lot of research while he was there he experimented with uses for peanuts sweet potatoes soybeans pecans and other crops as well as having um his assistants uh, research and compile existing uses and uh he began to speak at national conferences and uh, gain uh, more respect, making him uh, well-known, making him one of the most well-known uh, African-Americans at that time. Um, now, as time went on, he began to, you know, get more, more famous, and he developed techniques to improve soils that were depleted by the repeated plantings of cotton. Um, with other agricultural experts, he urged farmers to restore nitrogen to their soils um, by practicing systematic crop rotation, alternating cotton crops with plantings of sweet potatoes, um, uh, uh, peanuts, soybeans, cowpeas. And by doing that, those crops restored the nitrogen to the soil and they were good for human consumption. So as he started to develop these these practices, um, you know, and then he was he would write these bulletins and he would go around uh, to train farmers to successfully uh, cultivate new crops and to put his these uh, his research into practice he developed an agricultural extension program for alabama that was uh that we you know was popular amongst the farmers and uh he encouraged nutrition better nutrition in the south and um he widely distributed recipes using the alternative crops He also founded an industrial research laboratory where he and his assistants would work to popularize the new crops by developing hundreds of applications for them. Um, They did original research as well as promoting applications and recipes which they had collected from other people. Um, His work became so well known that um, President Theodore Roosevelt, you know, admired his work and other well-known men, um, in the in you know in in those administrations uh um the secretary of agriculture and uh even fdr before he was president like all these men were big admirers of george washington carver's work even um industrialists american industrialists, farmers you know rich men uh, uh looked to him for um for for his knowledge on peanuts and and they would consult. They would consult with him, so he because he was such a a well known uh, uh, voice when it comes to plotting, and he actually helped to save a lot of farmers' land. Uh, by 1920, uh, U.S. peanut farmers were being undercut by low prices that were being imported from China. So. The peanut farmers and, and and industry representatives they plan to appear at congressional hearings to ask for a tariff, and so they all uh, you know ask George Washington Carver to testify on their behalf. Now, due to segregation, it was highly unusual, obviously, for a black man to appear as an expert at a Congress uh, uh, at, at in front of Congress, and it was even said that uh, there was some. Uh, uh, people who mocked them, uh, some of the southern congressmen who mocked them. But once he started talking, and they saw his knowledge on, you know, the industry and peanuts and, and alternative crops, then that's when they, you know, had to shut their mouths and actually give him time to speak. And this all just contributed to his respect as a public figure. Now, while he was famous in the last, you know, two decades of his life, he enjoyed his celebrity status. He was on a road um, promoting Tuskegee um, University, promoting peanuts, racial harmony. Um, he uh, published six agricultural bulletins after 1922 alone, um, in which, you know, he talked about the peanut industry and uh, even wrote for a newspaper column. He even wrote a newspaper column during that time. Business leaders came to seek his help, and he often responded with with advice. Three presidents... Theodore Roosevelt, Calvin Coolidge, and Franklin Roosevelt met met with him, as well as the Crown Prince of Sweden. Studied with him for a few weeks from 1923, uh, um, back in the 1920s. Um, And he uh, also um, uh, toured white Southern colleges from 1923 to 1933 for the Commission of Interracial Cooperation. So he continued to, like, like I said, he continued to to help farmers, to uh, he actually saved a lot of farms because a lot of farmers started to put into practice his methods of planting. Um, you know, they were considered you know revolutionary at the time. Uh, he he was a he was a very well respected man, and like I said, you know, until I started to actually do research on him, I didn't realize just how well respected he was, and he was. Uh, much more, he did so much more than just study peanuts. You know, even some of the things we talked about sweet potatoes, soybeans, uh, pecans you know, and you, those are things you think about, soybeans, those are things that are popular today. And he was, you know, doing that back in the early uh, 20th century. But, um, he uh continued and enjoyed his celebrity status, you know, for the last few years of his life and uh he uh uh before he died he even uh, created a museum based off his work and uh it was called the George Washington Carver Foundation at Tuskegee and uh it was uh opened in 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 1938 and so he donated $60,000 of his savings to create the foundation and that 60,000 at that time is about the same as a million dollars, over a million dollars in 2019. So, you know, he managed to uh, gain wealth, you know, during, during, you know, as he continued to rise in notability and in fame, he gained wealth. Now, he also patented a few things um, throughout his life. He has a few patents that that he uh you know received um they didn't do well commercial the commercially they didn't do well commercially but still he did uh receive a, a few patents uh it's said that he's giving credit to certain things that he invented that he really didn't like he didn't invent peanut butter there were actually patents uh from pharmacists prior to him that um that invented or have patents for peanut butter So he didn't invent peanut butter, but he just came with different uses for peanuts and how it can be used for consumption. But uh, he also, we talked about some of the recipes for food that he uh, that he is credited for. Now, he even admitted himself that he, some of the recipes that he took from the Department of Agriculture, and he put it in his book just as a way um, to show people what they can use, because it wasn't like it was the internet age. So, you know, he put those things in his book to show what can be done with sweet potatoes, what can be done with peanuts, what can be done with soybeans or pecans and there were other people who did the same thing but his books you know recipes so more because he was so well known but uh he uh his work um uh, his work provided small farmers with resources for more independence from the uh the the cash economy uh that was um uh, foreshadow that foreshadowed the appropriate technology like the farmers were able to use his methods and in, in, in a way they were they were cheaper than it was his methods were cheaper to use and you were able to get a better return as a farmer you know if you planted peanuts if you planted soybeans and sweet potatoes and you sold it to markets it was cheap to plant and maintain. So as a farmer it, it can help sustain your income. So he was he was well renowned amongst farmers for that, you know? A lot of his peanut products, he came up with a lot of products that dealt with peanuts. Um uh um uh, some of them was like uh, like salves. He came up with like, you know, massage oil. Like it was so many different things. He came up with like over a hundred different uses uh, for, for peanuts. He, uh, developed sweet potato products, you know, um, uh, some of the products that he developed with just the sweet potato alone were 73 dyes, 17 wood fillers, 14 candos five library pastes, five breakfast foods, four starches, four flowers, and three molasses. He also had listings for vinegars, dried coffee and instant coffee, candy, after dinner, mints, orange drops and lemon drops. That's his for sweet potatoes. So like we all know about his work with the peanut. But even with sweet potatoes, he he did a lot of work. So, you know, George Washington Carver's legacy is a legacy that most of us know Um you know and and doing research into him was actually you know interesting just finding out more things about him you know i mean for over or 47 years at tuskegee uh he published uh more than 44 practical bulletins for farmers his first one in 1898 you know, like in, in, in that one, he's talking about feeding acorns to farm animals. His final bulletin was in 1943 and that was about the peanut. But he uh, wrote books. I mean, like, you know, his his legacy lives on. There are stamps, you know, there are stamps uh, with his name on it, his face on it. I mean, that's been around since the 40s, you know, in black history, we all know about about uh, George Washington Carver. President's dedicated monuments to him, you know, museums to him. Harry Truman, you know, you know, uh, uh, sponsored a bill in favor of a, mo- a monument of him. So, you know, for a black man at that time to get this kind of renown was something that wasn't the norm. You know, and that's why in school, whenever they talk about black history, you know, the, the, the few people they talk about, he's one of them. You know, um, so it just goes to show you his accomplishments that, you know, no one could deny what he accomplished, you know, and what he set forth for black history and just showing black excellence. I mean, there's so much more, you know, on George Washington Carver. You know, we just wanted to kind of touch on, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we know but didn't know about him you know but George Washington Carver was very educated he accomplished a lot throughout his life and he died in 1943 January 5th at the age of 79 so he lived a long life he acquired he acquired wealth fame and he was a a great mind and a great educated mind so uh we just even though we uh didn't cover him yet. You know, usually you would think by now we would have covered him, even though it took us almost over three years to cover George Washington, you know, we no one can ever take away, you know, his accomplishments, which which are so vast and and they mean a lot to black history. So uh George Washington Carver, we thank you for your contribution to Black History and Black Culture and we salute you. So that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. And like I said, you know, We can never, we should never feel like, okay, well, this person is well known, you know, we don't have to talk about their accomplishments because it's all black history. So, you know, I, 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 I'm like, you know, hitting myself for not doing George Washington Carver earlier. And because like I said, I found out more about him doing the research that I thought I knew. So there's so much in black history and and the people who we cover, they have so many layers, these men and women. So You know, it's like peeling back an onion. But that concludes this episode. Um, You know, just stay tuned for the next one as we'll be coming at you with more black history and black culture. So you you all stay healthy out there. Stay safe and stay tuned for the next episode.